You're listening to Undertelly with Oleg Novak, infiltrating the murky underworld of Aussie TV. I'm Oleg Novak, welcome to the show. Now, at Undertelly, we are Australian drama's biggest fan. But even we can admit that on occasion, some of our favourite shows can get it wrong. Uh, don't panic, I just need to change fuel cylinders. Right, and there's enough hot air in this thing to keep us up while you do that? Relax. This is perfectly normal. Is it really Balloon Guy? Today we kick off a three-part special investigation into how accurately hot air ballooning is represented on Aussie TV. Is it really the catastrophic cesspool of destruction that some shows make it out to be? Or do some of our writers simply have too much hot air in their heads? Navigating us through this investigation is our special guest, John Turnbull. John's an Aussie advertising industry stalwart, and he's also an avid hot air ballooner. In part one of our expose, we revisit an episode of one particular show and quickly discover that our neighbours aren't always there for one another. Thanks so much for your time today, JT. My pleasure, Alec. Before we get to our friends on Ramsey Street, JT, I wanted to shine the spotlight on you for a second, if I may. Absolutely. How did you get into hot air ballooning? Hot air ballooning is a family pastime for me. It's, it's how my parents met. Uh, many years ago in the late 60s, my mother, who was Australian, got on a boat to the UK. And shortly after arrival, met uh, an older man, a dashing man with a moustache and a hot air balloon. And they briefly fell in love. Um, Kay learned to fly, my mother, and uh, brought one of the first hot air balloons back to Australia in the late 1970s. And so I got my licence when I was 15. I was one of the youngest pilots in Australia for a couple of years. And essentially my love for it has has retained. It's a family sport. Both my kids are involved in it. My wife is my crew chief. And I've been flying now. I've had my license for 28 years and it's something that I will do until I am old and wizened. What do you love about hot air ballooning? It's an enormously social sport. Um, My family all comes flying with me. I have a lot of close friends uh, who fly balloons. And it's an enormous amount of serenity within ballooning as well. It is an incredibly calming sport. And if you've had a bad week or particularly stressed or that sort of thing, a balloon pilot will absolutely reset that to zero and make me happy again. You mentioned the word serenity there, JT. Watching these two episodes, we'll get to them shortly, of Neighbours and Rescue Special Ops. I don't think you'd quite use the word serene. And having been in a hot air balloon with you, I felt quite safe. But just in context of watching these two episodes, I thought I'd ask you to just remind me, JT, how safe hot air ballooning actually is. Hot air ballooning is the safest sport you can do in the air. Um, It is significantly safer to fly in a balloon than to actually get in a car and drive to a balloon location. Uh, Ballooning is safer than skydiving, hang gliding, gliding, any kind of, as I say, other air sport. However, unfortunately, when dramas are depicting, I guess, anything with a hint of risk, they're always going to focus on the, uh, the potential hazards as opposed to the, frankly, you know, I guess from a dramatic point of view, a fairly boring hour safe flight with a safe landing doesn't make for compelling narrative. That's very true, and I was going to ask if hot air ballooning in particular gets a bad rap. It does, although I I must say, when I've spoken to people with other specialty interests, it seems that the more you know about uh, any kind of subject, the, the the increased likelihood that TV and movies will get it wrong. Because I think if you have a superficial knowledge of something, it's fine to, to get away with that. But the more you know, the more likely you are to pick holes in it. But overall, TV and movies do a woeful job of depicting ballooning. And I was going to ask, do you think that hot air ballooning, it's something that obviously you're very involved in the community, but people like myself, we're not very close to the community. So mm. do you think that producers are like, most people won't notice, therefore let's just screw it, let's do it, no one's going to notice and they get away with a lot. Look, absolutely. That, that is, you know, shortcuts, unfortunately, in the TV production industry do absolutely happen. And 
of course, Australian TV, Australian drama has the added challenge that we don't put an enormous amount of money or time into the writing phase. And, you know, that is the one thing that prevents most problems, research and that sort of thing at the early phases. When you get to production phase, often when they will invo you know, involve actual balloonists, that's when they can pull up the problems, but if they've already been written into the script, very hard to change things on a fundamental level, which I think will come back around when we get to rescue special ops. Particularly pertinent. And I was going to ask if Australian drama in particular gets it wrong, because you've read, written a book about hot air ballooning, haven't you, JT? I have indeed. It's, it's called That's Not Right. It's available as an e-book. Uh, and yes, look, I would say we are not particularly worse than any other country. Uh, the Americans love taking liberties. Funnily enough, there was a particular period during the, the late 1970s, early 80s, that British TV got a lot of things right. And I just think it, it happened to be that there were enough balloonists there with contacts within the, the media production industry that they would call them first. Uh, and there was a show called Cat Weasel, actually. I'm not sure if you ever encountered that, but they actually used my old man uh, and dressed him up as the main character so they'd get the balloon bit of it right. So it's just those little things that, you know, a little bit of effort can make a huge amount of difference. And with the hot air ballooning, when it's sometimes represented inaccurately in so many shows, what kind of, does that have any impact on the hot air ballooning community to you guys? Not really. I mean, it would be drawing a long bow to say a, a balloon accident on Neighbours would stop people going for a balloon flight because I'd like to give Australian viewers slightly more credit than that. It's when something happens and gets coverage on the news that that's when it starts to affect commercial ballooning. I mean, fortunately, I'm a private balloonist, so I just go out and do it with my friends for fun. So really nothing is going to take the shine of what I do. So really it just enables you guys to have a few laughs when you watch these episodes? It does indeed, and to, and to share stories and to poke fun at people who, um, who wrote that in the first place. And of course, the people who were involved in it, because you know, if, uh, if a balloonist is involved in a ludicrous uh, TV show, they are a figure of fun for the next little while. Well, on that note, shall we, have, uh, shall we check in with our friends on Ramsey Street? Well, let's get into it. Everybody needs good neighbours. They certainly do. So essentially, some of our favourite neighbours are about to go on a hot air balloon for Lauren Carpenter's hen's night. Little do they know that Ramsey Street bad guy Jacker has sabotaged the balloon. The reason Jacker sabotaged the balloon is because he wants revenge on the Willis family, believing that Ned Willis slept with Jacker's wife Regan. But Ned is actually in love with Ellie, not Regan. Regan then has a brainwave on how she can fix the entire situation. Apparently he's convinced Ned and I are back together. Oh, that's ridiculous. I know. Ned's in love with Ellie. Wait, that's it. Ellie. If she can convince Jacker that Ned and I aren't together, that he's no longer a threat, he'll calm down. Where is she? No, Ellie's in Patterson Hills. She's about to get into a hot air balloon. No, 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 it's beside the... She's not going to want to break Jacker. Regan! So Regan sneaks her way onto the balloon wearing a hoodie so that nobody can recognise her, despite the fact the balloon is very small and has only five people on it. Then eventually, well into the flight, things go horribly wrong when the balloon goes down with the sabotage that Jacker inflicted having its desired effect. JT, in a nutshell, how right did neighbours get hot air ballooning? On a scale of 1 to 10, with 1 being totally wrong and 10 being totally right, I'd give this about a 3. They used a real balloon. Some of the physics was close to being right, but overall it was a fairly poor effort. Were you surprised by it being a fairly poor effort? Not at all. It's exactly what I expected. Um, we actually found out before this episode that it was going to happen because they were scouting for someone's balloon to use. And just the hint that Neighbours is making an episode about a balloon crash made everyone in the balloon community smack their head because it's, uh, yes, not known for being the most quality show on TV, but they do have lots of episodes. You finished the forms, we can get cracking. 
that's assuming you ladies are ready for the uh, adventure of a lifetime. Taking a look at your notes from the episode, the first point of discussion you wrote down is in relation to a line that good old Susan Kennedy, one of the best characters and underrated actresses on the show, says at the very beginning of the episode... You don't want to get on that balloon tomorrow with a hangover, do you? Now, you disagree. In the words of Pauline Hanson, please explain. It's good to go through life without hangovers at the best of times, I would suggest. But if you do have a hangover, going for a balloon flight is actually a really good cure for it. You get really clean air, you're up first thing in the morning where it's nice and cool and crisp... You do a little bit of physical exercise when you're putting the balloon up and packing it away. And just the amazing physical experience and the the sensory experience of going in a balloon is one of the best hangover cures I've ever had. The only one better, I must say, is jumping out of a plane, but that's not for everyone. No, I don't know if that's for me. But the (laughs) balloon thing, that was certainly very relaxing and serene. Moving on, JT, a lot of the drama in this episode, and I use the word drama loosely, um, comes from re- repeated shots of some loose propane hoses. But there's a bit of an issue with that, isn't there? Yes, the, the whole premise of Jacka sabotaging uh, the tank is fundamentally flawed. Unfortunately, what he seems to do is loosen the top of a tank with a pair of multi-grips. There's nothing to worry about. The tank hose that he's loosening, actually, you, you'd put on and take off by hand. Um, there is nothing that he could have done to that balloon hose uh, with those multi-grips that would actually cause the effect that, that he did. Um, and the other thing you'll see is there's actually three tanks sitting there uh, at the time. Um, and that's, that's because commercial balloons have multiple tanks, so they can change in flight, and redundant flight systems. So the problem he has with one burner the immediate solution would be, I'm just going to go to one of the other two burners I have connected up to independent systems. So to people like me watching at home, you instantly see this shot of the whatever he's fiddling with, you hear the ominous music, you think, oh my God, they're going to crash. But to you guys watching at home, the hot air balloonist community, you look at that and you have absolutely no sense of foreboding, no sense of drama at all. It just annoys you because you go, if there was a real pilot there, he would solve that problem in two seconds. They'd have 22 minutes of airtime to fill. 22 minutes of a lovely flight going, hey, look at that. Should we land there? Yes, that looks lovely. Why are we flying over this river all of a sudden? The next issue, continuing with the issues, because there are some things Neighbours gets right. Well, There there are one or two things that they get right, to their credit. So uh, at one point, they're asked to fill out uh, insurance waivers, which happens on all commercial balloon flights, because if you're pregnant or if you have a bad back, it's not in your best interest to fly. But some people choose to conceal these things, hence you sign an insurance waiver. So if if something does go wrong, then you are hiding it from the pilot. It's not necessarily their fault. And the balloon is also a balloon shape. They got that right. (laughs) And they use a burner now and again, but not accurately. I see, and I can attest to the insurance waivers as well. I signed the old insurance waiver myself. <laughs> so, yes, you mentioned the burner, JT, and I think that um, the next issue is the fact that the balloon is just sitting there inflated when the passengers arrive with the burner, burner going constantly. So that's not the way it works. No, um, the, the method of inflating a balloon is essentially it's all rather frantic. You, you pull up at the, the launch field, you inflate the balloon within about 10 to 15 minutes, and then you take off. What you would never do is jump out of the balloon and leave it unattended because an unattended balloon just generally does either two things. If the balloon isn't sort of kept warm by turning the burner on and off now and again, it will collapse upon itself. If someone does leave the burner on like they did in Neighbours, the balloon would float off by itself, neither of which are an ideal situation. Do you reckon they just did that because it looks cool? And I think whoever was in the sound department really liked the sound of a burner. It was just, this is what a balloon flight must sound like constantly, so I'm going to have that in the background. Interestingly, very hard to have a conversation in a commercial balloon with a burner going because it's so loud. 
uh, but they seem to not have a problem with it. So what they've done, they've taken the sound of the burner and turned it down by about 80%. Interesting, because in Rescue Special Ops, they make the complete opposite mistake with the balloon. Which we'll get to this shortly, but the balloon's just sitting there in the opening of the episode with no burner going. So they both, both shows got the... Got, got it completely wrong in completely different ways. They did. To their credit, neither of them used sandbags, which are used exclusively for gas balloons, not hot air balloons, and you know often you'll see in shows just randomly. But yes, it is from a dramatic and from a, a, a filming perspective, filming within a balloon environment is difficult because the burners are very loud and it can be hard to have an ongoing conversation. Frequently when I'm flying, I'll just say, excuse me for a second, I need to keep us in the air. And that's a safety issue, which everyone understands. But if you're trying to have a dramatic scene of, say, revealing someone who was in the basket that you would have met before you took off, um, then, you know, you need it to be quiet enough for that to work. Sometime into the show, JT, you noticed um, that it appeared to be the real balloon pilot standing there in the back of the shot. Mm. Do you guys often get asked to use your balloons for TV shows and movies? And how do you guys, I think you touched on this earlier, you guys generally respond with a bit of concern and apprehension? Yes, I mean, we are very happy to help out charities and that sort of thing. You know, the ballooning is quite involved with camp quality. But in terms of doing TV shows, firstly, the reward for your time and effort tends to be very, very small. They like to think maybe just the exposure of being on TV is worth your time. And secondly, you have the issue of, you know, it may not represent the ballooning community in the best way. Saying that, you know these producers do eventually always find someone that will um, will do it for the money they're offering. So it just goes to show there are some people more desperate than others, I suppose. So what about Jacko though? He's out there, he's got this grudge against Ned and his family. I'm about to join Brad down at Harold's. And as for Jacko, unless he grows wings, he won't be able to get anywhere near the girls in the next couple There's of a scene where uh, Jacko, the bad guy, is standing um, in the launch field where the balloon took off from a good 20 minutes after they took off and looking at it as if it was just right there. Uh, The way, unfortunately, um, physics works and wind is even on the slowest day, if a balloon takes off from a launch field and you're standing under the tree it launched next to, you're not going to be able to see it in 20 minutes. It would have travelled a kilometre or two, which means that at the height that balloon was, which was just above the treetop height lots, lots of the time, you just wouldn't be able to see it. And that's another thing that I don't think a lot of people consider, and it's actually quite obvious, but I think there's a line, I think it's in either Neighbours or Rescue Special Ops, where someone says the balloon's gone off course. And you mentioned to me, JT, that balloons don't actually have a course. And I'm like, I thought about it, of course they don't actually have a course, because it's all at the mercy of the wind. That's right. The only time a balloon has a course is when the pilot is flying in a competition and they've determined where they want to go to and will work using the available winds to get there. But when we take off in the Hunter Valley or Canberra and that sort of thing, we have a general idea of where we're going in terms of the wind direction. We don't have a landing spot in mind and we certainly don't have a course that we might be going off track to. That's a plane that you're thinking of there, not a balloon. So moving on through this episode of Neighbours, the girls continue on in the air. Regan finally reveals herself in the balloon, which Mm, is a moment moment of intense drama. And then a pivotal moment then happens in the episode when the burner suddenly stops. um, The burners have gone out. What are the main issues here? Well, there's a couple. If the burner had have been going for that long, assuming they'd been flying for about 15 or 20 minutes at this point, they would be up at probably about 25 to 30,000 feet and they're unconscious because there's not enough oxygen up there to sustain consciousness. Um, the other problem is that uh, everybody seems to freak out, including the pilots, when the burner finally goes off. You would think the moment of serenity would actually be quite a relief. And then as the drama continues after the burners stop, then over halfway through the episode, the pilot decides to throw the cylinders overboard. 
Based on my absolutely minimum ballooning expertise and from what you've mentioned to me in your notes, JT, is that the absolute worst thing he could do? This was a mind-numbing decision from both a writing perspective and anyone who knows anything about ballooning because prior to that, the balloon had been flying straight and level just above treetop height. And the thing about balloons is that to get them to go up, you have to heat up the air inside. To get them to go down, all you need to do is let it cool. So at any point during that flight, as the air cooled, particularly after the burner had been turned off, the balloon would float gently to the ground. It wouldn't hit particularly hard from the flight, the, the height they were um, at, but the decision to throw a cylinder out, A, provides a massive hazard to anyone who might be below the balloon at the time, and also would have the effect of sending the balloon ascending very, very quickly. A cylinder that size weighs around about 35 kilos. So they would have gone from a nice safe, safe and level flight to going up at around about 400 feet a minute. So not an intelligent decision from any perspective. Well, clearly that was too much for Paige to handle because <laughs> next thing we know, Paige clearly can't handle any of this drama and she jumps out of the balloon. Reading your notes, JT, was great because I believe your exact words were ha ha ha, ha ha ha, ha ha ha. Yes, Paige is clearly not the smartest character on screen. However, uh, there is no way in hell that that pilot incompetent he was would let someone jump out of a balloon basket. It is actually quite hard to climb out of a commercial balloon basket because the sides are relatively high to stop you falling out on landing. So the idea that she would be able to climb up onto the side and jump out without the pilot grabbing her and basically throwing her to the bottom of the basket is insane. Uh, there has, in my experience, never been an uh, occasion of a passenger jumping out of a basket in Australia, and that's the exact reason why. It's miraculous that all those people in Neighbours and Rescue Special Ops survive. It is indeed. But then things get even worse. JT, have you ever been in a balloon crash? And what, if not, what's the hairiest ballooning experience you've had? I've had a couple of hard landings over the years, some relating to thermal activity, which happens you know, around summer and that sort of thing. I have never had anything that approaches the, uh, the carnage of, uh, of what occurred on Neighbours. And in fact, the closest thing I have seen to that is um, an event where um, an associate of mine flew a balloon over Everest. And the landing on the other side was a 300-metre drag landing across boulders and rocks. And essentially, the balloon was destroyed. But the photos they showed at the end of it, the balloon still didn't look as bad as that what probably was quite a gentle landing into trees in Neighbours. So, yes, there was um, way too much carnage, I think, uh, expressed in, in the Neighbours accident. And the fact that they depicted the victims um, thrown tens of metres from the basket, is again not how physics works. When you crash in a balloon, the pilot instructs all of the passengers to hold on and bend their knees. And if you were crashing into trees, they would actually be crouched down in the bottom of the basket. There is no chance that any of those people would be thrown out. And there is also no chance the basket would end up sitting on its end like that. That was a very strange design choice because it's really hard to stand one of those big baskets on its end. So they must have spent a good half an hour doing it all for something that looks really, really out of place. It all just looked too perfect, all neatly scattered all around the field. <laughs> 
yes, the uh, the injuries and and fortunately, Dr. Carl, uh, master of trepanation, uh, turned up to um, to save the day because really, if he hadn't have been there, you only would have had the ambulances and all of that sort of thing that would have been called when the balloon crashed. Grenade. Grenade, what's wrong with her? She's having a seizure. She's got slurred speech. I think she's got a subdural hematoma. I need a power drill. One thing that doesn't seem to happen at all in this episode, JT, which would have avoided a lot of drama, is a retrieving crew on the ground following the balloon. Retrieving is an integral part of ballooning. Without retrieving, you can't have a balloon flight. So essentially, uh, the retrieve crew help inflate the balloon and then follow it once it takes off. They're in constant radio contact uh, with the balloon and they may well have also a GPS tracker. But the idea of the crew is to stay under the balloon most of the time and be there when they land, to speak to the farm owners and that sort of thing, make sure everyone is safe. Uh, A good crew is absolutely invaluable. I have one of the best crew um, based in Canberra, shout out to Mac, Um, and his experience turns what could be a difficult retrieve into something that's absolutely flawless. And I imagine you'd have a fair few difficult retrieves as well. Look, they can be challenging. I uh, would like to consider myself, or I was trained to be a considerate pilot to my crew. There are some pilots who will fly for as long as possible and then land and then think about how their crew are going to get to them. I always fly with the aim of making the retrieve easy for my crew because if it's easy for them, it takes less time and it means we can go and have our champagne breakfast sooner. The most fun part. Oh, indeed. So, JT, just before we move off from Neighbours, having watched it, I know you've already kind of given it a rank of three, but now that we've gone through it, how does it rank amongst all the other ballooning-themed TV shows you've ever watched? Ooh, I would say it's probably in the bottom third. I would suggest that they didn't make any mistakes that would, you know, say it's the worst of all time, uh, but it's certainly lacking in a lot of crucial areas. And that was part one of Undertelly's Hot Air Ballooning Expose. John will join us again for part two when we check in with our friends at Rescue Special Ops. Can they beat Neighbours 3 out of 10? Stay tuned. And remember, you can check out John's ebook. It's called That's Not Right, and it's available online. But for now, I'm Oleg Novak. I'll catch you flaming galahs next time. You're listening to Undertelly with Oleg Novak, Mount Cola's fastest-growing Aussie TV podcast. (laughs) 